Good morning and welcome to the Unapologetic Aussie podcast. My guest today is Piero Martizic, you can call him PJ, and he's going to be talking with us about anger management and the triggers that cause anger. PJ has over 20 years of experience across his various fields of expertise and provides a number of services, including but not limited to wellness coaching, business coaching, mentoring, sales psychology, and anger management. He is a husband, a devoted father, the holder of a colorful wardrobe, including a sensational blue suit, and an all-round nice guy who's not afraid to get uncomfortable and help others find personalized solutions to deal with their discomfort. Welcome to the podcast, PJ. Wow, what an entrance. Thank you so much, Scotty. Um, thanks. Thanks very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I, I just firstly wanted to touch on how we met. It was quite a funny story and <laughs> we, we, I don't think either of, us, either of us expected us to meet in this way. But uh, PJ, you put up an ad on, um, on Facebook and I responded to that ad and it was basically saying, and I'm not going, I can't remember the exact question, but it's basically like, this is um, one of the parts of the framework of anger, and I'll give you $50 if you disagree with me. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I'm up for a debate. We started talking on Facebook Messenger, and we said, look, let's, let's jump into a um, – let, let's actually jump into a conversation here. Like, let's get on the phone. And at the end of the conversation, we, we pretty much were on the same page but I was just sticking firm to my semantics because I'm an Aries and I'm a mofo, if you believe in horoscope. So, you know, you, you were uh, gracious enough to, you know, come good on your offer, and which is now expired for all of those listening. So <laughs> don't think you're going to be able to jump on and pull the same trick that I pulled. Um, you, know, you dropped 50 bucks into my account and I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you on my show because I think there's a lot of guys that would actually get value from what it is that we're going to be talking about. Um, and so here you are. Um, now you have got what, quite a repertoire of skills, and I'm just going to share with our listeners a few short, short list. Well, you can call it short of the qualifications you've had. So you've studied at Wellness Coaching Australia. You've um, done some training around cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, become a certified therapist in that. You're an NLP master practitioner. I've done NLP myself, so I understand how powerful that is in helping people. You have uh, studied anxiety and depression counseling. You have studied certif- you've got a, you're a certified alcohol and drug counselor. Uh, and you've also done personal training and fitness. So, wow, like what a package. <laughs> Thanks. Even um, audiences at the Brisbane Convention and Exhibition Center, I see. Yes. Hmm. So, Talk to me, how did this journey begin for you in terms of personal development and wanting to really help people and make a profession out of this? When I was stuck in a corporate job selling cars, I loved the idea of the process of selling cars. I didn't like selling cars. I just liked the process. There was a process to it. Um, and that's very feminine for those who understand masculine femininity and NLP. And what I noticed is I also then loved the gym. So I became a personal trainer purely for my own knowledge because I wanted to understand how to be better, um, growing muscle, powerlifting. I wanted to understand the process to get better. Right. And then as I started doing personal training, so this was three years ago, as I started doing personal training 
um, as a paid service, I started to realize that it wasn't just physical training. It was 80% the food and 80% mental. Mm. And the 20% was, was the program. And then from there, it, 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 I started doing all this personal development work. So I started listening to the great man, Tony Robbins, mm. Jim, Jim Rohn, Les Brown, you know, all these, all these um, speakers, motivational speakers about, I guess, if we put it under a banner mindset, because I've got a new theory about mindset, right? You can talk about mindset. We'll get into that later. Mm -hmm. But once I started to understand that there was a process as well to understanding how you could mentally think better and then feel better and then act differently and your behavior would change, I started to really go, hang on a minute, there's something here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I totally agree with you. Uh, it's very interesting how our physiology impacts our mental well-being and our mental well-being being in, affects our physiology. Uh, and I guess the beautiful part about a process, uh, because you mentioned before the feminine and the masculine energy and, you know, masculine energy tends to be a lot more solutions focused more specifically. Mm -hmm. Not to say that there are women who do focus on solutions, practical solutions, mm -hmm. there certainly are. Uh, but I just find that there's an inclination amongst particularly men to be more solutions focused than than women. And women tend to be more emotionally connected. And this is why mm -hmm. a lot of the time when we see relationships break down, men will say, well, I, I bought her the house that she wanted and I took her on the holiday she wanted. And, you know, she said she wanted the kids to go to this school. And so we sent it there and that didn't make her happy. And, and, and got, a lot of guys get really pissed off about this. And it was something that used to frustrate me uh, when I would have a relationship breakdown because, you know, most of us have had them. And it wasn't until I realized that the solutions that serve me are not the solutions that serve the feminine and the solutions that serve the feminine don't necessarily fix my car. Right. Mm. Yes. And, and don't balance the budget, but yes. it makes them happy. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> generally speaking, we tend to be happy as a result of different functions and different manifestations of things prior to that moment. Mm. So, um, yeah, look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna open the floor up to you, PJ. Uh, so, mm -hmm. particularly with regards to anger management, what was it that? Uh, what were your key epiphanies that you sort of had, or the defining moments that made you go, you know what? I actually really, I really understand anger now, and I really understand the triggers, and that I can genuinely help people and uh, remove this element of anger from a lot of people's lives by virtue of removing the triggers. And making people conscious of those. All right, let's go back to the journey where it all began. 22 years ago, when I started working at Telstra, <laughs> I was fresh. I was fresh out of school, and I scored a job in in retail at a Telstra shop. Now, back then, there were bag phones. Those of you that might be looking at Scotty and I and going, "How old are these guys?" Well, it was 1990. <laughs> it was 1998 when the internet hit Australia, and in 1999, I was in year 11. And I actually made a statement that the internet was going to change our lives and how now look at us. And from there, when I got my first job, I used to get really ticked off at my boss <laughs> because obviously from a, from a manager or a leader's point of view, they have to do this. But from, from the young guy on the floor, I was like, you don't get me. And this, this person didn't want to buy it. And you're just like, PJ, but why didn't they want to buy it? Did you give them the right opportunity to buy? And like it was, it was me learning that process in sales, right? 
So I used yeah. to go, I, I, you know, and the audience needs to understand this. The reason that I call it addicted to grow is because I was addicted to anger. I used to use it the wrong way. I used to use aggression the wrong way. And you also need to know up until about three years ago. So mm. truth be known, the reason that I know is because that was me. Mm. So I used, to, I used to just get ticked off. And the triggers were is because, you know, people weren't believing what I said. Um, you know, I was accused of lying or, you know, these are some triggers. And what really made me open up was when I went to do my master practitioner course. And I went there because I was like, I understand now NLP and cognitive behavioral therapy. And I went there and I said, when I go through my very first breakthrough, for those of you in the audience, if you don't know what a breakthrough is, reach out to Scotty or myself. And I went through my first breakthrough to purely release my anger. Mm. And I did. I went there and I, and I did the whole, you know, in, in woman's words or in my wife's words, ugly crying. I did the whole lot. I let it all out. I was in front of 140 people and I let it go. Just like a massive Tony Robbins event where you just stand up and you just let it all go. And I, and I did. And then what I realized is that I found peace. When I found peace, I realized that I could help other men do this because my dad is, is, is taught me not to speak, hold your emotions in, and he's Croatian. So, mm. And yet my mother's Filipino, who's very much a talker, <laughs> right? She means Filipina. Um, Filipina. And, <laughs> and, and as I was growing up, there would be times where, you know, my dad would shut down my mum and my mum wasn't allowed to explain or talk or get emotional. And so then I started to realise that this wasn't only just me, this was me watching it. And then I was also adopting habits from my dad because that's how I grew up. And that's what we mm. do. We're not mm. our behaviour because we're the adapted behaviours that we watch around us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, it's interesting you say that because my first solo cast that I did on my podcast um, that we're on today, the unapologetic Aussie was on lies by repetition and omission. And mm. what, what the concept that I covered in that is that we understand to be true that which is repeated enough that it could not possibly be false because, well, we, if it's false, if it's true, like if it's sorry, if it's false, then we're the only one that's wrong. And we, we are, we are pack creatures, right? So this is why you see up on other people uh, and it's also part of the reason why people don't speak up particularly for example if you work in a workplace where uh, everything is very and i use this term loosely progressive and there's mm -hmm. all of progressive views that you can't sort of oppose because there's an orthodoxy about it uh, a lot of people stay silent because they don't want to be attacked they don't want to be ostracized and they don't want to lose their job and be um outed from their group mm -hmm. you know, this mm -hmm. is this is interestingly a segue because quite often when people stay true to what they think is the right thing and they get ostracized from their group as a result of it, that can actually create an incredible amount of anger in a person because mm. it's like, you feel like you're being persecuted for doing the right thing. Mm. Mm. That concept PJ, cause I, I know you've seen that before. <laughs> <clears throat> I love that. And it comes down to one of the biases. And I'm just trying to look just up here on this side of your screen. On the screen, I've got the 25 cognitive biases on a big, massive poster. It's actually a beautiful poster. And I'm just trying to think about which one that falls under because that's what we do. 
um, if you can't have it, no one else can. And if you've mm. got an opinion that you're so powerfully ingrained about and you're just like, no, this is, this is what I want to say, and you don't speak up, it, it does. It builds up inside you. It creates this anger and, it's, and it becomes, we know this from NLP, anger and triggers become stacked. And when they become stacked, it's only going to be so long before you blow up like a, like a, like a piece of dynamite. And then all of a sudden, people look at you like there's something wrong with you. Rather than the whole time, you just didn't speak up and say what was and, going on because. And that makes it even more frustrating because you're like, wait a minute, how bullshit is this? Because <laughs> everyone else can have their say, but all of a sudden, because it's me, I don't get to have my say. Like this is completely effed up. You know, why, why should I be penalized for having an opinion when your opinion <laughs> is rewarded? Like that's such a double standard. And, you know, we I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of double standard because that's the whole, <laughs> right. Uh, but you yes. know, the double standard and how things are unequally applied in different circumstances, that can mm. also be a catalyst. And, you know, usually it tends to be that until a group of people that have a particular viewpoint reach critical mass, people don't tend to uh, put much credence on it, um, which is, why the most dominant opinions in a workplace or in a family or in a friendship setting tend to be the ones that hold most true for the group in general and people that challenge them get ostracized. Yes. And that's, and that's bad to see because everyone deserves their opinion. Exactly. So it's, it's so, it's so terrible to see that people hold it in for fear of judgment mm. because if people actually knew that someone judging them, someone judging someone else is actually the, the, the judgment that the person's holding inside, which we know is the shadow, right? And there's a lot of work. There's a lot of society. There's a lot of majority of society that have no idea about this stuff. Mm. And hopefully by us even talking about it today, it triggers, you know, the conversation to go, what is this shadow? Or why is me judging someone else a judgment in myself? And it's like, if they truly understood the answer behind that, they would do the work and they'd be like, when someone wants to say something, it's kind of like they're invited to have their say and then their opinion mm. is actually expressed. And it's funny you should say this. I'm going to try and find this really quickly. I've got, uh, obviously, I've got two computers here. Um, I'm just going to find this. There's something really powerful. I did some work on what I call my calling. Um, and there was a question about how do I see the world and it's funny that you should bring up that, that question because one of the things that I wrote down was, I see a future where people respect each other as individuals and their opinions regarding their individual pleasure and happiness. Mm. And could you imagine a world like that? If you're in the audience, could you imagine a world where you are able to have that opinion without being ostracized? Right, right, exactly. And it's interesting. I'm seeing a real evolution at the moment. and. Mm. You know, I my job as a result of starting my YouTube channel initially, and um, I had some unpopular opinions, and maybe, and maybe, maybe I didn't express them in a way that was uh, balanced enough to appeal to both sides of the conversation. And I think that the point I'm at now, I'm able to have that conversation with different people and say, "Well, look, mm. let's just let, look. Let's be honest. This is the way things are." And I, and I'm not criticizing that this is the way things are. I'm accepting it. I'm acknowledging it. And I'm okay mm. with it. 
I realize it and I, and I celebrate that. Let's find a way for everything to work together because mm. I think that that's really, you know, and sometimes some people can't be worked with, right? Because they need to do the work um, to, to, themselves. to themselves in order to get to a point where they can have the kind of conversations that people like myself and yourself and a lot of other, our other listeners are mature enough and ready enough to have a mm. conversation. So, and I, and I think that's a big thing. Like when we talk about the, the concept maturity, uh, this is not to shame uh, anyone that, you know, doesn't yet have the maturity to have that conversation because that's not what this is about. When I talk about maturity, let's use the metaphor of cheese, right? So we can mm -hmm. create a brand new cheese and the cheese is delicious. It's fresh. It's made with the best quality ingredients. Um, but imagine how much better that's going to taste when it's properly matured, mm. right? So it's about the manifestation of, as you mentioned before, the process that takes mm. you from a little bit wet behind the ears and fairly fresh and, you know, full of goodness and, and good intention to a point where people can really appreciate what you mm. have to say, or in the case of the cheese, really appreciate that refined taste. Mm. So, uh, I, think and, and, I think that's really powerful. The, the way that the way that that concept just hit me was to do with muscle because when you're young you've got this you know extreme amount of energy and you can go to the gym three or four times of you know a day if you wanted to but as you mature your muscle thickens it gets denser rather than gets bigger and the denser it's, it's got more more value in that right there's there's more strength there's more weight behind it there's more impact mm. when required yeah, no, that's a really good metaphor, actually, PJ. And uh, by the way, I just wanted to, because uh, this is being streamed currently on Twitch and YouTube, and it'll be going up onto um, Anchor FM and Spotify and Google Podcasts. So that's there'll awesome. be a lot of people that will Thank be you. able to, to get value from this and, and hear your message. And I'll be telling people about how they can get in touch with you later in the podcast, PJ. But what I wanted to do right now is essentially open up the floor. Um, if anyone wants to drop a super chat in the YouTube right now, mm we will answer questions live and bring them up on the screen. So anything that you want to ask PJ during the course of this stream, um, if you want to just drop a super chat, we will be more than happy to respond to those in real time. So maybe you can get some of the answers that you've been looking for around these concepts that we're talking about. Mm, please. Yeah. So PJ, um, something that a lot of people can relate to uh, particularly in what I call the the manosphere, which is sort of like the online community where a lot of men get together and, you know, yep. un unfortunately it's been unfairly tainted as a sort of hotbed of misogynist propaganda, blah, blah, blah. Anyone mm. who calls misogynist for having an un a challenging conversation, you can safely disregard them because, um, you know, unless you genuinely hate women, the, the tag misogynist, it doesn't apply to you. So you disregard yeah. whenever that person's saying until they've got the emotional maturity to come and have a conversation with you that's honest and with integrity. So I, that's one thing I'll say straight off the bat. The second thing that I wanted to say is um, with respect to separation from families, because this is something that impacts a lot of men. There are gendered mm -hmm. laws in Australia, which unfortunately do are the national framework for Australian domestic violence policy. Um, and with respect to domestic, this domestic violence policy that I talk about, the Duluth model, D-U-L-U-T-H, 
is actually a framework that was developed in 1980 that places the blame for interpersonal violence with the quote unquote perpetrator, which is defined as the male in the framework of this policy. Mm. And, you know, looking after the victim, which is the female within the framework of this policy. And this particular model is used as the national framework for our domestic violence response. Now, the byproduct of that is that when allegations of domestic violence are made um, by particularly women, and look, there are some women that get um, charged with it, but it's much less just because not so much recognized. Um, and I find that unfortunately, because of the innate strength of men on average, you'll find that more physical harm tends to happen to women when there is physical conflict going on. Mm -hmm. And ultimately physical conflict is the manifestation of anger and verbal and emotional conflict. Mm -hmm. So if we can essentially remove the verbal and emotional conflict, particularly from relationships, uh, whether they be between friends or between lovers or between family, mm. we can remove the catalyst for violent conflict and perhaps even keep some families together, which is better for men. It's better for women. It's better for kids. Um, some people are going to disagree with that opinion, but you know, the, the statistics bear out that kids are much better off when, um, yeah when that happened. Um, now I'm just going to quickly address a, a question. Shinobi one with a donation says, why haven't I seen you at church? And, and, and what church means is basically religiously showing up on your channel and talking about things. Look, I, I've been working really hard and been doing a lot of thinking about the direction that I want to take and how I want to help you guys. So that's a big part of the reason why I haven't been there. If you saw my calendar, you'd probably be fairly shocked. And one of my longtime subscribers, Success Pool Endeavors, has says, PJ, your thoughts on Red Pill Rage. Now, Red Pill Rage is essentially the process of frustration that a lot of men go through when they realize that they've been lied to about um, interpersonal relationships and about mm. what, what women really want. And it, what's interesting and something that I've realized recently is that testosterone is that which centers our focus around solutions. So the higher mm -hmm. our testosterone, the more driven and uh, aggressively we tend to walk towards, towards our goals. And when that clashes with um, what I talked about before that can manifest in anger, that can often, often end badly. So I think it's really important for people to understand how to regulate the things that cause the that are the catalyst for anger to avoid that in conjunction with high testosterone levels. Um, and the reason I say our testosterone betrays us is because for those of you who haven't seen the YouTube video, it's not about the nail. Search YouTube for it's not about the nail and look for the video with millions and millions and millions of views. And it's essentially a guy trying to, this woman's got a nail sticking out of her head and she's talking about how she's got this ache and all of her sweaters are snagged and she just can't understand what's going on. He's like, well, I bet if you took that nail out of your head, it would solve She's like, you always do this. You always try to fix things when what I need for you to do is listen, right? So what the solutions that we need within ourselves for our own individual challenges is not necessarily the solution that our romantic partner needs. It's not necessarily the solution our family member needs. So being conscious and aware of how they function and how we can provide solutions to them is a massive part of interpersonal relationships. So I want to get your thoughts on that red pill rage that 
anger that comes as a result of feeling like we've been lied to about what the reality of interpersonal dynamics really is. Wow. First of all, there's so much to what you just said. <laughs> there is so much there. Um, <laughs> we would actually, yeah, we would like to, I'd like to unpack the whole thing, but it would take us a long time. <laughs> well, Firstly, let's start at the beginning of the process, shall we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Firstly, I'm going to ask you a question just to explain red pill rage again, mm. because I, I got stuck on the testosterone part you were explaining because testosterone is also the hormone that loves a challenge. Mm. So we actually like to be challenged because men like masculine, masculine like to win. Right. Cause there's that end point. There's that finite game. Um, and you know, either this is not a social construct. This is biological inclinations as a result yes. of this that's inherent specifically in men at a higher level on average than women. Correct. And obviously, the more we exercise, the more the levels go up, right? The right. more that we are actually challenged by something, the more that we're just like, yes. And it's like, it is. I can see now the relationship between the question red pill rage and obviously, you know, the anger and everything like that. Hmm. If you understand, and, and Scotty, you and I have had this lengthy conversation. <laughs> We have. You've, re you've really got to understand that, and I'm going to use this because I don't have my, you know, the psychologist ticker, right? You've got to use this as a, as a, I've got to use this as a, as a framework. Every single second, there are about 4 trillion hormones changing in every single cell in our body. Wow. So, so I've already clicked my fingers about 12, 13, 14, 15 times. So could you think about how many hormones have already changed in the last 15 seconds, let alone we've been going for 25 minutes? Right. So some, and this is obviously about anger management and knowing its triggers. The triggers could be anything. It could mm. be the heater next to me is too hot. It could be I'm too cold. It could be, you know, and these are all split second thoughts, you know, very, very split second thoughts. But in order to understand the reflection of the red pill rage in testosterone, it's actually like the moment you challenge a masculine, there's a chat. It's a challenge. It's on. Let's go. Let's go. Mm. How am I going to, how am I going to win this? Right. And now if we just, if we don't get too sidetracked and we go to the very last part of your question, if we, if we go to the very last part of your question, it's like, if you as an individual understood your partner, masculine to masculine, feminine to feminine, male, female, male, male, however you, mm however your relationship if you understood yourself and your triggers so first of all there's so much in that part and then the other person understood themselves and their triggers mm. and then you spoke about it you would then understand how you would have a better relationship now you and i have already created the start of a relationship we already understand how we think we're getting to know each other by more by watching each other's YouTube and so on. But when, but if you don't put the effort in to understand yourself mm. and you don't start to understand your own triggers or what actually makes you fly off the handle or where, where your fight comes from or why you flight or why you freeze, if you don't understand where that comes from, how are you able to communicate that to your partner? Right. Because ultimately, if you, you know, the age old saying is communication is the key. Well, that's easy. I can tell you, hey, Scotty, I'm going to do this. Great. 
but there is so much more deeper to just communication. It's so deep. Right. And the more that, you know, the more work that we start to do and obviously different, um, uh, I guess you could call them modals um, that are starting to arise like channeling and spirituality and NLP and neurolinguistics and even more brain, you know, research that's getting done. It's like we're starting to understand that something as simple as a masculine on their way home from work, if they have this thought process of my mates are at the pub, if I stop in for a drink quickly on my way and have a quick yarn, my shit day will disappear. Because that's how some people think. Right. If they get a text message at the same time from their partner that says something as simple as, hey, can you please come home or get bread on the way? Mm. It could throw out the whole process because he's already fixated on a beer with his mate. And there's also the subconscious perception that, hey, my partner has just screwed over my happiness and what was what I was feeling so happy about right now, she's just fucked it, for lack of a better word. There are, people, there are people who think that, and, and I get exactly it. Exactly right. I, I get it. Exactly. And this is why... This is why this whole thing is conquer your mind, unleash your soul, because there's so much more to those processed thoughts. Mm. There's so much more. Like we could talk about awareness. We could talk about this. But the ultimate trigger could even be where did that even come from? Where in your past, where in your lifetime did you delete, distort and generalize a thought like that? Mm. Because then when you get home, you can imagine the conversation that would arise from that. Like, mm -hmm. fuck, all I wanted to do was have a beer and you told me to get bread. Now I forgot the bread because I was actually just thinking too much about the beer. I drove past the shop and I get home and now you're hammering me because I didn't get this. It's like, Jesus. But some people yeah. think like that. Right, right, 100%. Um, now, I, I just wanted to share a comment that we just got. So I'm not going to um, give this person the satisfaction of uttering their name. However, there is something that I wanted to address with this. She said, men are no longer men today. We are in charge now. They're mad, naturally. It's like, wow, we could have a whole conversation about that. But something that I, I did want to mention there is that, look, masculine influences around us are so important. And I know you're a very active um, and a very involved dad. Uh, and your kids are going to be so much better for it, PJ. And, and I can see it in the photos on your Facebook. You know, they just love you so much. I, I, I mean, it's it, it's like, as soon as I look at the photo, it's like, hey, look at me. I'm a photo of kids that freaking love their dad, right? So like, Thank that's you. powerful for me. And there are a lot of kids out there, unfortunately, that don't have their dads around. And for some of the legislative reasons that I mentioned before, um, and someone in a Facebook group yesterday, I mentioned, saw them talking about how their ex-wife had, was essentially withholding their children from them. And mm, I see that often. And the guy said, "Yeah, look, it's it's way more often than the media and uh, mm. feminist lobby groups that are pushing for more rights for women in the family court that men don't have." Um, I, I see so much of this, but one thing I I wanted to share was around that comment that the guy said. He said, "She's trying to punish me by not giving my t not not giving me time with my kids." And I went in there and I was like, look, I genuinely don't think that it's so much that she's trying to punish you, but it's more that she wants to spend 
most of the time with the kids that are hers also. And those kids mean so much to her that she will unwittingly be prepared to hurt them by denying them time with their dad to serve her own personal interests. Needs. Right. Yeah. Well, whether it's, whether it's a need or a preference, I mean, for, mm. for her, it's so pressing that for her, it's a need, but, mm. and, and that might actually circumvent and supersede the needs of the child and the needs of the father, you know, and we really need to have some balance. And I think a mm. lot of the, a lot of relationships that I see these days uh, are actually, unfortunately starting to get a bit unbalanced to the point where a lot of people are like, well, Hey, this isn't fair. And that, coming back to what we were mentioning before about the double standard that actually causes a bit of resentment between a lot of people. So, mm. you know, what's your take on how people that don't consider others can cause anger and resentment? Okay. I just, I needed to get this out of my system. <laughs> I needed to get this out of my system because I'm just going to give some, some helpful guidance um, for the person that wrote that question. And maybe you could reach out to me. I'd love to have the, the chat. While, while you're writing that, I'm going to read the next few comments that actually went behind that. Please. So uh, to, to follow on from that comment, the same individual wrote, um, men gave us power, men gave us rights, men are always one step ahead of us. Um, and I agree that men have bent over too much backwards to try and make women happy in many ways. Um, and they've actually sometimes done that to their own detriment. And I think now is the time to have a conversation about maybe, you know, balancing things out a little. And she said that I agree that men need masculine influence and that the thing is the most masculine a boy is going to get today is from us. So the mothers and the female teachers and the female university lecturers and the female media presenters and, um, you know, the, the women in our lives. And she said, I think men need to man up and that's not shaming language. Um, and it, you know, I think that we need to be really careful about using that term man up. Uh, I think that there's probably more productive and more articulate ways to communicate that message that I, I know is going to be communicated. Um, but I, I agree to a large part of those points because we are surrounded by the feminine now, you know, a lot of us are raised by single mothers. Um, some of us mm. are raised by single mothers without a father around by choice or not by choice. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's a, that's a, it's a whole big topic. And I can understand why are angry about the fact mm. that they are able to now be controlled by the feminine by way of legislation that exists, which enable the feelings of the feminine to control the lives of the masculine. And that's really challenging when we don't have control over our, our over our own lives, given that we are social mm. solutions focused particularly those men who are fathers. And I know yes. that this will really personally, you'll be able to personally relate to this PJ. Mm. Okay. So there's, as I said, there's, there's so much involved in each sentence that you bring up, Scotty. And, uh, you know, obviously mm. that's why I love what I do because like I said, you know, one word can be start of different process. Mm. Men did give, away a certain amount of power let's just yes. start there yes what what really happened was then the lack of true 
understanding that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. We are completely different human beings. Right. Completely. We're completely totally. different human beings. And I totally respect um, and I'm a, you know, I'm a big advocate for LG um, ST. Like I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that. Okay. LGBTQI. All of it now. I just respect right. all of it. I've got the rainbow flag. I love it. But to understand that men are, men are here and women are there. So therefore we communicate in totally different ways. We understand things totally different ways. We process things totally different ways. And yes, there is a certain amount of power that we, that we shared with and we gave away to our feminine partners. But also what comes with that is there is each masculine and feminine in each of us. Mm. So like there can be a really amazing feminine leader who has got a lot of masculine traits. Mm. And the moment that individuals actually understand this, it's like there will be able to be a moment of hand on heart that says, I wouldn't be able to run this or do this or lead this this way if I didn't have that masculine side inside of me and that came from him, vice versa. Mm. I wouldn't be able to be the soft father that I am, tender and loving, if I didn't learn that from her. Mm, mm. So realistically, yes, we gave away the power. And I don't, I agree partly with men have to man up. No, it's different. That's not the terminology at all to use because it's not about manning up. It's about respecting each other as individuals and saying, because all traits are inside us, by the way. And that's what I meant by when I wrote the shadow, because the moment that that the moment that that question or that comment came, I was like the first thing I thought about it was the shadow. So that's maybe some research for that person. But if we understand that all traits are within us, mm. all traits, mm. we can learn how to empower them within ourselves and also empower others. Because the last thing you want to do is use power, which is actually taking power away from people and yourself rather than empowering people. Exactly, exactly. And it's interesting you say um, taking power away from people. Uh, if anyone's interested, you can search on YouTube for feminism is about taking power away from men. And there's a video clip, it's about a, a, a minute long uh, by a YouTube channel, France 24 English, I think it's called. Uh, and it has Julie Bindle, who is one of the mm. sort of most well-known feminists saying exactly that, that feminism is about taking power away from men. And I think that that's a really toxic way to approach equality, which of course is not what feminism is about. That's a conversation for another day. Um, mm. I think egalitarian is a word that everyone should look up because if you truly believe in equal opportunity and equal treatment um, in all ways of men and women um, and everything based on meritocracy and fairness and, you know, look, if you've got the opportunity, take it. I, I, more power to you, male or female. I don't care, but I'm not going to mm. grant rights over me, and I'm not going to grant you. You know, mm. I'm not going to grant myself rights over you, and vice versa. And mm. you mentioned before respect when you were talking about the response to the term "man up." Uh, and Riff Magos actually just left a donation and says men don't need to quote unquote "man up," but simp down and reclaim some self-respect. Um, and what I mean by what he means by simp down is there's a term that's quite often being used in the manosphere these days called simp. And what that word essentially is someone who uh, pedestalizes uh, women rather than respecting the, the balance between men and women yeah. and setting boundaries. 
a simp is the type of guy who will put himself into debt to go out and buy the $50,000 engagement ring and give her the $100,000 marriage and work himself seven days a week, 12 hours a day, work himself to the bone to pay for a house that she said she wanted, but then she's never at home, but he's never home. So she ends up emotionally connecting to someone else. The relationship and then he goes, where did I go wrong? It's like, you went wrong by not setting boundaries. And that is essentially what a simp is. And I think that boundaries are a massive, massive part of Huge. understanding yourself and also connecting with others. So what part do you think boundaries play in, um, in removing these catalysts for anger? If you, if you don't, let, let's just go one step backwards from boundaries. You're yourself and at one stage, your wife or your partner, whatever it is in the audience you're listening, is they were them. So there was you and then there was them. You had your own boundaries. You knew what you would and would not do or do and don't do and will let happen to you or not when you were single. Mm. So why all of a sudden that you find this girl or this man attractive and you enter or woman, woman, when you enter this uh, relationship, why did you then let it change? Why mm. did you let yourself respect go? So now when I talk about, when I talk about balance, remember balance is actually opposing. Something has to actually equal in weight. It's not about, balance it's a for me how i explain to someone balance it's about dedication so if mm. i dedicate the hundred thousand dollar ring if i was to get sorry the fifty thousand dollar engagement ring to my wife if i was to balance that it would be dedication of time right so i would make sure that i was home mm. so for me it's about dedication of time because it's like no 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 i'm not working the hundred hours a week you and I will both work. I will work to the level of my job. But if that was, you know, and if that was going to equal the, the amount of that ring, well, what I would do is I wouldn't do overtime and sacrifice my time with you. Mm. I would work and you'll get the ring later. If that's the but, ring that you want, I will save my money for it. Well, I, I, I mean... We may have varying, varying views on that. My personal opinion is about rings is that if you have to spend more than a thousand bucks on a ring to make your partner happy, then maybe you should be reassessing who you're with. Uh, and, and I'll just guess quickly as well. Uh, you, I, I know what you have, you haven't even told me this, but I already know that you understand the five love languages. So the five yes. love languages are physical touch, quality time, uh, gifts, acts of, acts of service, and words yes. of affirmation. Yes. So yes. I, I could I could go into depth and unpack that, but I'm just going to focus specifically on two, in the context of this particular point that we're on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are quality time and gifts. If your partner is heavily um, heavily weights on both quality time and gifts then perhaps you need to rethink that relationship. And uh, the reason that I say this is because if they've got such a heavy weight on gifts that you have to trade so much time to be mm. able to earn the money to pay for those gifts, then you're going to neglect her quality time value. And if mm -hmm. you neglect quality time value, 
and the gifts aren't going to matter anymore, but they mm-hmm. matter if you can get them. So it's this unwinnable tug of war between two impossibles that don't align with each other. And there are very few men that have such an unlimited supply of money that they can serve those gifts while simultaneously um, serving the quality of time. But realistically, if you are spending enough, see, quality time isn't just being in the room with that person. You could spend seven days a week in the room with that person and it not be quality time. Because you could, if you're both listening to your own music on headphones um, and you're both playing a game on your phone or you're both on your own computers doing your own thing, you could be together for 365 days straight without a second of that being quality time, mm. right? And quality time is so important, not just mm-hmm. with male-female relationships, if you're straight, you know, whether you're straight, gay, or lesbian, whatever your sexual orientation, it doesn't matter. Your quality time with another human being, if both yes. of you value, if even just one of you value that quality time, that quality time is critical. Like say, for example, I might not really care too much about spending quality time, as long as you tell me how much you like, I, I'm happy to, I, I might be happy to work six days as long as you show me how much you appreciate me by cooking food and telling me how wonderful I am. Right. So acts of service and words of affirmation. Right. So quality time might not be my love language, but mm. if it's my partner's love language, it doesn't matter how much I sacrifice to get what I want. She's not getting what she wants. Yes. And this is the disconnect that I see collapses so many relationships and so many marriages and hurts so many kids as a result of those breakdowns uh, because the person that isn't receiving it in the way that they know how to show love doesn't feel like they are being loved whether it's a mate or whether it's a life mate yep if you go back to relationships so this comes down to what we were saying before it's mm. like the moment that you go or the moment that you go to that relationship to get something, it's over. Right. You go to a relationship to give something. Give something. doesn't matter if it's time, dedication, or um, yes, part of the five love languages, all of that. But it's like the relationship is about giving something. Yes, Piero is Croatian. It's about giving something. And that's what I love. I love what you mentioned before about this time. How I explain it to all of my clients, when I'm spending time at work, so when I try and find this balance, the other part of the balance for me is dedication. It's just dedication. So it's like when I put my phone down and go and spend time with my kids, it could be 20 minutes, it could be five minutes, it could be half an hour, and all of a sudden the dedication level is so great it's 110% dedicated to hanging out with them kids that right. they time is not an, not an issue. Time doesn't come into it. It's dedication. So I talk to people about dedication, not, not balance of time. Cause they're just like, how do I balance my life? And it's like, you don't, you dedicate. If you're going to go and do the work, dedicate the next 90 minutes to work and then stop, have a break and dedicate 10 minutes to a break. Yeah, and that's where people that's where people get it wrong. And yeah, exactly. Especially about the love languages, because if you're dedicating too much of that time. Now, I just want to tie that whole thing in. Could you imagine for a moment where all the triggers are in that conversation? Mm, mm. So for a moment, if we, you know, like we know that the topic is anger management and its triggers. If you think about something as simple as that, 
if someone is trying to get the X amount of dollar ring, plus you're not giving them the time and so on, it's like, could you imagine where the triggers are that come inside you as an individual, whether it be male or female? Yeah. I, th I think something people need to be aware of is don't dedicate to your detriment. Yes. That, that's a big... Mm. Part of that boundary. Right, exactly. And definitely part of the boundary. Um, so, so yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, there was a comment just a moment ago that I wanted to to touch on. If I can, if I can find this here. Look, I actually I, I have. Can't find it right. Well, yeah, can't please find go. It right now. I was, I was just going to share. Like, so this is my, this is my DV certification book. Um, and this is a statistic. I'm trying to find where it was. Anrose.org.au. Mm-hmm or ourwatch.org.au. And this, oh, I did yep. this in 2018. And it was just when you were talking about statistics, violence against women. Mm. Um, since the ages of 15, one in five sexual violence for women, one in five. Right. One in 22 for men. Mm. So clearly the sexual violence is, is terrible. One in six physical or sexual violence and then one in 19 for men mm. emotional abuse one in four in women one in seven in men mm -hmm. and this was the interesting one physical violence one in three for women one in two for men wow physical violence so more men have reported physical violence. Right, exactly. And that's, and this is the, this is the thing that we never hear about, right? In fact, I, I'm actually gonna, I think I've got that here, um, that statistic from, so in 2016, the, there was a personal safety survey that was funded by the Department of Social Services under the National Plan to Reduce Violence Against Women and Their Children. Mm. Let me see, just share this up here, see if it will, um, allow me to share this particular screen. No, I just got booted out of the studio there. Um, that was, a, that was just a little crash in, um, in this thing. So yeah, that's okay. I'm just going to remove the previous session from this stream. Okay. <laughs> that's um, okay. I'll remove that from there. But yeah, it, anyway, it basically mm. said that two in five people aged 17, aged 18 and over had experienced violence since the age of 15. This included mm. 42% of men and 37% of women. Now that's 3.8 million Australian men and 3.4 million Australian women. Both of those are shit, right? Both, Both of them suck. One thing that I will mention though, because this is really, really important to note. You've done your DV certification. So you would know, Pierre, that people who have experienced or been on the receiving end of violence are far more likely to perpetrate it right? Mm -hmm. So why do you think it is that organizations like ANROSE and all of these organizations, which in my view are, are feminist organizations, as far as I'm concerned, they operate off a feminist framework and they openly admit that. Why do you think that they are so 
intent on ignoring the plight of men just because more women are the victims of, say, for example, sexual violence. Um, because this, this I, I see this as a massive problem because when men don't get support for the things that have actually happened to them, then of course they're more likely to act out in violent ways when they've experienced violence in the past. But yet there's no support for them other than to blame them for being the perpetrator. What are your thoughts on that? Purely my opinion. Yep. <clears throat> and, and I understand yeah. that whatever your opinion is, is not an attack on women. It's not um, anti-female. You know, it may be just that you're, you're saying, well, look, we need to have a bit of a balance and we can't just discount one for the sake of the other. I don't know what your stance is on this, but I mm -hmm. just wanted to pre-frame that because I know mm -hmm. sometimes, as we mentioned before, sometimes when you come up with an opinion that goes against what is contrary to the popular discussion, yep. people can face opposition. So I just wanted to be clear that, you know, this is an open discussion where mm -hmm. we can agree to disagree. Uh, yep. And that's the framework that I want to set for you when asking you that question. Mm -hmm. Simple answer is fear. Fear of what? Fear of their shadows, fear of them facing their own truths, fear that they, at some stage in their life, may have brought it upon themselves. Mm. Attitude, uh, angst um, to win, they might have had that low energy moment in themselves, which means they, they rose to a level of criticism and a level of control, and then all of a sudden they realised that they'd done it to just get that instant power, and when they know that they can't hold that level, which is not a level to say you can't hold that level. It's just like they, you just felt, oh, I just felt like they got that anger inside of them, had their go. And then when they calmed down, they realized that, oh, maybe it wasn't the best way to deal with it. But then they don't say anything about it. And that goes both for women and men, both directions. Mm, yeah, absolutely. One, absolutely. one of the biggest things, I mean, one of the biggest things for anger management is that we have these outbursts when we're in an uncontrollable state. Mm. And because anger is an energy source and it's an emotion chemically, and it's driven from a sequence of events at a cellular level, and I know that we love this conversation, but when it gets to that heightened state and, and you don't know, anger is not the issue. The emotions aren't the issue. Lack of understanding how to manage your emotions is the problem. And that's not taught anywhere, by the way. You have right. to show physical anger like someone could watch this YouTube and just be like, oh, this guy's all about anger management, but look at his hands and look at the way. He... The difference is I know how to control it. Mm. And I teach people how to control it. If this was a stage performance, you right. know, and we were talking about story showing, you know, we, I would know what to do. I would know how to act, where to put my hands and how to calm myself down to get the point across. The difference right. is we're not, we're not taught this. We're no. not taught this. So when you look at some of these companies and organizations that are just like, these are terrible statistics, we need to do something about that. It's like, you know, they could get an in heightened amount of emotion and just go, yep, I'm going to organize this and I'm going to do this and we're, let's, gonna, let's do this and let's pinpoint where the problem is. And it's kind of like, do you actually know then how to help the people that you're doing the statistics on or where, what direction are you going to even point them into? Right. Right, hundred percent, exactly. So my opinion, the whole, the, the the very bottom cause is fear, because 
an addiction to anything is a symptom of pain. And the very bottom underlying of anger is normally pain and it's fear. Yeah. And interestingly as well, um, I mean, it, do it doesn't help when you've got particular frameworks, like say, for example, um, I'll just share this one on the screen here. Hopefully this doesn't crash me out again. If it does, I'll just jump back in. Uh, there we go. So this thing here, the power and control wheel. So this yeah, is the, that out. this is the Duluth model. This is the feminist model that was created back in 1981 as part of the domestic mm. abuse prevention project by a lady called Ellen Pence, who was a women's rights activist. Uh, a right being a legislated benefit for a particular demographic that that right is assigned to. Mm -hmm. So, when you look at this, I mean, almost all of the things that I see on this wheel. And you can go and check this out at thedulutmodel.org, D-U-L-U-T-H, um, if you can't mm -hmm. see it properly in this stream. But it's got using coercion and threats, using intimidation, um, emotional abuse, putting her, just putting her down, making her feel bad about herself, as if, as if that's never happened to guys. You know what I mean? So, And using male, using male privilege is one of the eight in the wheel. And I just think that that's so ridiculous. Treating her like a servant, making all the big decisions, acting like the master of the castle. It's like... How many guys do you know in relationships that are, and it should be more, but how many guys do you know that are allowed to have a room just for their, just as a man cave? You know what I mean? How many guys yeah. get to, to, to have the kitchen looking the way that they want it with, you know, man cave type stuff up in the kitchen? They're like, no, 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 I want, I want flowers here. And I'm going to put a live, laugh, love sign here. And, you know, no, 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 that doesn't look good there. Put that away. You know what I mean? So to, to, to have the conversation and say that, men get to be the king of the castle and treat her like a servant. Like, no, the look, we know that the home, if you cohabitate with a woman, the home is their dominion, whether we like it or not, it is right. And that's why they're so emotionally attached to the home when there's a separation rather than just selling it and going your own ways, because that's their home, you know, they, they naturally nest. So they are All the, the time of the castle so for this model that domestic violence policy is based on to suggest that we use male privilege to treat her like the servant yeah sure that happens sometimes but more often than not it's around the other way and sometimes without guys even realizing it we're the servant you know we're the servant because we go out and slave at work to give them what we think they want but that's not necessarily what they always want so it, I, I think that that model is really damaging and unfortunately that is the model of what a lot of organizations like ANROS and Our Watch and all of these feminist organizations that have been put together under the federally funded uh, National Plan to Reduce Violence Against Women and Their Children. Um, I think that it's just, it's a mistake to be going off that model. And it's actually unbelievably institutionally sexist against, mm. you know, population. Mm. And I think just, just, as you're, just as you're on that point exactly, a lot of the DV situations that Angry. I've seen. I see that personally yeah. for me. You know, yeah. to know that the whole entire system is literally legislatively rigged against me. Like that's angering for a lot of people, particularly kid, people that lose their kids and their family and their assets because of it. How do so guys many, deal with that type of anger? Yeah, this is, this is the thing. It's like how, how do you, if a man read that, like right. as, as you sit there, if you're, if you're a man in the audience and you're reading this, uh, and I'm looking at it on my screen so I can see it bigger, if you're reading it, it even says 
Like it's it's her written. It's written yeah. towards the feminine. But right. hang on a minute. If I was if I was to write one as an author, I author my own stuff. If I was to write, actually, by the way, there's plenty of books that I want to share with you. I'll send you some. Cool, and I'll put the links if, in the description after this as well. Yeah, if if I was to send, if I was to write something like this as an author, it would be completely neutral. How how has it been able to go part anyway? That's back in 1991. Maybe it's something we've got to change. Well, imagine but, if you as an author wrote that saying. Um, making him afraid by using looks, putting him down, controlling what he does, you'd be the biggest misogynist on the planet. You'd be all over the front page of 60 Minutes. Could you imagine where it would go? Right, exactly. Some of the DV situations that I've seen, and, and, and my house is here. There's like, I could drive, you know, five minutes that way and there's situations that I know of, right? I can't disclose anything because obviously I'm a counselor. Like that but when i even look at this model if the person that wrote this actually walked into the houses that i know of down there they would know that it's not even a queen or a king environment the environment is constitutionally together disgraceful both ways it's just conflict both ways both ways yeah 100 totally so this is what i mean by the whole idea about the conversation that we could have around anger management and its triggers. If someone truly wants to understand what anger management is, it's about understanding your triggers so that you know how to control your emotions because anger is the powerfulest uh, energy source that we have in our body. Those that are driven by the, the energy source of anger um, can run the fastest 100 consecutive years in a row. Those that are driven, and those of you that have seen, you know, I'm going to direct this purely to Netflix if you like watching TV and you're in the audience. If you've watched The Last Dance by Michael Jordan. Um, I, I, I've watched a little bit of it. Um, I haven't seen the whole series, so I'm afraid I can't relate, unfortunately. I, I have grown up watching him as a player. When I watched The Last Dance, it really showed why he was the greatest at what he does is because it was... I want to be the best attitude. Now, is there something wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's mm. his attitude to win, now, if he did it aggressively, that's different. Right. But he used, he literally used his energy source. Now, I'm going to talk about it as an energy source. You and I love this. It's an emotion. He knew how it's to channel source. it. He knew how to channel it. He knew how to channel it. He knew how to control it and put it together in a way that he could shoot that basketball all day, every day, and he, dis he used his discipline, he trained, and look at him, he's the number one greatest basketball player in the world. Nothing but net, baby. So when you look at, when you look at this, it's like, if you look at the people that are the, the, the outcasts in their industry, mm -hmm. all industries, music, singing, basketball, softball, uh, what's his name, uh, Babe Ruth, if you look at them, all they knew how to do was channel their energy source to do what they loved and they produced amazing things and they're in a hall of fame for it. Right. So if, so if there are seven and a half billion people in the world and they all knew how to understand themselves this way, does that mean that everyone would be exactly the same or does that mean that we would have a hall that everyone would just fit in, which is called the world? Right, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. No, it's so true. Um, 
Now, I also had a, oh my goodness, where's this question gone to? Um, hope it hasn't disappeared. Um, that's that's the one bummer about the the super chat. Sometimes they, oh, yeah, bummer. But um, no, that's right. The question was, do you think the tide is turning against uh, feminism and? I think I'm probably better equipped to answer that one maybe than yourself, PJ. It's not your field yeah, of expertise. I've gone a lot deeper down that rabbit hole. I, I genuinely think that it is. Uh, I think that mm. a lot of people are going to become conscious of how biased things like that Duluth model that we showed before are. Yeah. Um, we've got the family law inquiry in Australia. There are organizations popping up in the UK that actually specifically help male victims of domestic violence. And some of those are actually government funded. So that in itself is an acknowledgement and a recognition that it can go both ways. Uh, and I think that particularly as we open up conversations like the ones we're having right now, um, like the ones I have with other people, you have with other people, the more conversations we have in a peaceful, calm and genuine and honest way with other people where we're not attacking them, but we're just being real about the situation. I just think that that helps so much in bridging the gap of understanding between where we've been conceptually to where we are now. Yes. And we're only getting better at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are, we are getting so much better at it. And uh, I, I'm just so grateful genuinely to the, the internet. Uh, I mean, the internet's yeah. brought a lot of negative things, but it's also brought so many conversations about things that were not discussed on a wide scale anymore. And, you know, we talk about the red pill, which is sort of like the lifting of the veil, the uh, um, bringing of the consciousness and the red pill for those who I don't think there's anyone in this podcast right now that doesn't know what the red pill is, but for anyone that may be, I'll just entertain you. There was a movie called the matrix that talked about uh, what was real and what wasn't and what's really going on behind the scenes. And if you take the red pill, you get to understand what's going on and you have to fully embrace that and go down that rabbit hole. If you take the blue pill, you get to live in a state of blissful and willful ignorance. Um, actually it's not, really willful it's just you don't you don't know what you don't know yes so but you know what you know right so mm. taking the red pill for me and for many others is essentially the becoming awareness of consciousness around things that they weren't previously conscious about and you know maybe there's been some quote unquote red pills in this conversation that we're we're having today pj that will get people to really think about something in their lives um, and perhaps change that in a really positive way. Um, and that was, that would personally for me be the best outcome I could, I could possibly hope for from, from anyone really. I mean, that would just be, if I can change someone's life uh, by way of this conversation with you or something you've said has really triggered something in someone that's helped them. I mean, that that's massive for me. So mm -hmm. um, I'd actually also at this point like to bring up your website onto the screen here. Here. just going to share that away because I'd love to let people know how they can actually get in touch with you. And I'm also going to share the links to everything that I've discussed uh, in this podcast mm. um, in the description below on both YouTube and also on Anchor and Spotify and whatnot. Mm. So this is your website. Um, people yep, can, book website. Free, can book a free call with you. You're based in Queensland. Golden. Where about New South Wales? Golden. 
down the I, road. I could have I driven to you. I don't know why I thought it was Queensland. I actually did go on your Facebook page earlier and I saw it was in Goulburn. I actually really love Goulburn. It's an, it's, you know what, PJ? It's on the way to Wagga Wagga, which is where my, I'm going to say that again because I kind of slurred that. It's on the way to Wagga Wagga where my parents <laughs> So I'm going to pop in and grab a coffee with you on my yeah, way to Goulburn. Yeah. Definitely. Because um, this has just been honestly such a pleasure and I'm really glad that we, that we met like this. Um, you know, here's you looking all cash, speaking to an audience. So, what sort of gig was this that you were doing there, PG? So this was so this was a uh, this was a course for relationships. Mm. It was a relationship course. So one of my programs. Um, so those of you that are listening, I'm in the process of creating like a full, you know, and, and those of you that are coaches and trainers, you know, we love Kajabi. Everyone's jumping on Kajabi. So I'm creating this full. Um, Kajabi platform where I'm going to have all my videos. Um, they're only, they're not, basically I'm just creating this platform where everything is going to come together, but um, you can do programs. So if you wanted to do a relationship program, the program will be in there and then it's me speaking to the camera, but it's not interactional. So it's going to be all the one-way information. And if you wanted, if you got to a position where you're just like my husband and my husband and I wanted to my wife and I wanted to understand more about our individual selves so that we could have the best relationship. PJ, we would actually like coaching, not just to understand it from a one directional view. And that's, that's what I want to create because as you said, Scotty, the information that you and I are both providing, if it's triggering people in such a way to want to make a change, it's like, how do I do that though? How, mm. how, how can I get that? And I want to create something where you can get this information and at least just download it for yourself and listen to information, right? You, you, you can just be like, okay, now I really understand that in order to understand myself as a feminine or understand myself as a masculine, I need to understand my shadows because the anger problem could be triggered by the shadow that's actually in me, not my wife. Yeah, my yeah, wife, exactly. My wife, my partner could say something and the part that actually I'm denying inside myself is what we call the shadow. And the more that relationships understand the shadow, the more that, that they can be at peace with themselves. Mm, mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's totally. what I want to create. Mm. Totally. So, um, Leo. what's that? That's Leo. That's the, you know, the youngest one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, just wanted to, to share that up and, um, give people a bit of a, bit of a glance at um you know what you know what, what you're like as a dad because you know like what a beautiful picture this really embodies everything that i was just talking about mm. you know what i mean we um, have so much fun with that i can tell <laughs> i can tell, I can tell. <laughs> wow that guy beside you is really really tall yeah he is he's like six foot six six seven i think that's crazy that's crazy and I'm not even standing like straight next to him. That was another event at WeWork in Sydney. That that one uh, website's a little special. that was that was I presented there in Victoria. That was at WeWork, the top one. That yeah. was at the BSI, the green one. That's at the BSI event with um, mm -hmm. uh, what's his name, Ivan K. Those of you that know Ivan, he's a very he does business grants and everything um, in the city right. in CBD. That's in Victoria. Um, I did some present presenting um, for like a 
a skincare company and sales psychology. Right. And this is in Brisbane. That's in Brisbane. Love it. Convention Love center. It. Yeah. Nice. Well, look, uh, you know, you've obviously you've you've done a lot uh you've been in some interesting places you've had interesting conversations including and i gotta say this conversation today has been very enlightening for me as i'm sure it has been for a lot of other people listening as well uh, and i'd just like to thank daniel corica for his donation that he's left right now it's not so much a question but it's uh just a bit of uh, kangaroo food money <laughs> he said for me thank you so much thank for that, you daniel. Uh, now, how can people get in touch with you and have a conversation with you? And do you do stuff over Skype as well? Yes. So I do all of my stuff from Zoom. So behind me is the studio where I um, home is behind that wall and the studio is here with me. I do a lot of my stuff on Zoom um, or Skype or WebEx, however you want to be contacted. Um, and as you know, Scotty, at this stage of my business development, I'm still taking phone calls. Um, so if you text me, I'll still reply. Um, and honestly, just text me. I would rather someone text me and just get hold of me straight away. And if we can book in a call, then I'll book in the call. If it's a Zoom, we book in the Zoom. Yep. And I'm just going to I'm, I'm going to put the um, address in the description. In fact, in the description below the video right now, you will be able to see the link to PJ's website. You can go on there. Uh, it's got a, the book a free call option. Uh, you can even, um, if you go to Addicted to Grow on Facebook, you'll also be able to find his mobile number and contact him directly as well. So whether that's by WhatsApp or just a regular everyday run-of-the-mill text message, you can do that. So PJ, yep. I just want to say mate, ma massive thank you for coming on today. Thank you for sharing all your wealth and your knowledge and your insights. It's been so greatly appreciated. Uh, it's been a long time coming, this conversation, and uh, I'm grateful I got to have it on this Beautiful, beautiful Thursday, I think it is. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. It is Thursday, Thursday. <laughs> All right, mate. Look, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for coming on, PJ. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Scott. Really appreciate and it. I look forward to maybe having you on another time, on another topic. Thank you so much. And I'll keep watching your stuff because I just love your enlightenment and what you share. So thanks, everyone. And if you're in the audience, you know, please keep following Scotty. And yeah, I'd love to get a follow as well. But Thank you very much for your time, um, um, Scotty, and I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, PJ. You're welcome. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on. Share this podcast with your friends and follow at Unapologetic Aussie on Instagram for a glimpse behind the scenes, teasers of upcoming content, and juicy snippets of the best interviews. Catch you in the next episode.